You're listening to the Investing.com's weekly crypto podcast with your host, Clément Thibault. Hello and welcome to Cryptalk, Investing.com's weekly crypto podcast. I'm your host, Clément Thibault. And this week, we're going to be going over the news like we do every week. So I'll start off like I do every week by telling you who is this for. So if, this, the, if it's the first time you're listening to us and you, you're interested in, in another you know, crypto podcast, I know that there's a lot of them. But we try to take a different approach and we try to go over the weekly news, but with you know a simpler view on things so that this podcast is meant for you if you just have 20, 25 minutes a week and you want to keep up with whatever is happening in the crypto world and, and you know the big headlines. And this is what we're for. And, you know, we're, we're trying to provide the most value in, in the little, the shortest amount of time. So you don't really have to check the news all week and you can just come tune in once a week and get everything you need. All right. So that's what we do here. And now let's move on to the topics of the week. All right. So our topics this week, we start with the SEC charging Ether Delta, which was an exchange founder. Uh, it charges it with operating an unregistered national security exchange. So the SEC is starting to come down on people. That's what we're going to talk about first. Uh, then we're going to move on to the Stellar and blockchain wallet airdrop. So Stellar is dropping 125 million of its token XLM. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that and what, what it means. Why are they doing it? Uh, we're going to talk about a lawsuit brought by the Vinkovas brothers against Charlie Shrem, which was uh, one of the earliest uh, Bitcoin pioneers. And we're going to end up with another listing by Coinbase, uh, BAT, to basic attention token. And we're going to talk a little bit again about why are they doing it and, you know, and, and what's what are we expecting from Coinbase and from this token going forward. Talk a little bit about what it is, because I know that many people probably aren't really familiar with what it is. So we're going to talk about that. So let's dive right in with the SEC news. So the SEC announced this week that they had settled charges against Zachary Coburn, the founder of Ether Delta, which was a token trading platform, so basically just an exchange. Now, this is interesting because it's the first enforcement action based on findings that a platform operated as an unregistered national security exchange. So it's actually the first time that the SEC comes down on the platform and says, listen, you know, you didn't register with us. And we're not cool with you or we're going to sue you. So basically what they had, what they did is that instead of going through everything, they agreed on a settlement. So I think that uh, you had to pay about $300,000 and without admission of guilt. So they just went the easy way of just, you know, just, just saving everyone's time and, you know, just paying the fine and whatever and just, you know, get to move on with your life. So that's actually okay. Uh, so yeah, like I said, Ether Delta was just a marketplace that you know people came together to sell and exchange tokens. So it was done with a smart contract. It was done over about an 18-month period, and from the data I have here, it seems that about 3.6 million orders were put. So it was not the biggest exchange, but it was definitely you know it was definitely a, a mid-size exchange. So what happens with it is that, like I said, the SEC found out and they sued him. So what, what does that tell us about, you know, exchanges and the SEC? So basically, 
you know, we know that this is not a new exchange, and it's it it, it operated for eighteen months. Right? That's not that's not today. That's not yesterday. That was a long time, and and this is how the SEC operates a lot of times. And we hear more and more people kind of becoming aware that this is how things happen. The SEC are not ones to act immediately, you know, except for when they see maybe a blatant news you know, and, and, and investor misdirection and, and like straight out scams. But generally, if you, you know, you go over the law and you don't really listen, they'll let you operate for a while. They'll kind of gather information on you and, and you know, and they'll, they'll catch you when they're ready to catch you and to press charges, right? They work on their own time and not on your time. So one of the things that, you know, are hard for people to, to understand, you know, because, yes, of course, a lot of people are getting st- scammed because the SEC is not working fast enough sometimes, but it is definitely working. And people that should find themselves in jail most of the time will actually eventually find themselves in jail. So that's great. And, and the chief of the SEC's newly created cyber unit said, you know, uh, this week also that, you know, they're not looking at the technology that you're using at. They're you they're you they're looking at the function. So they don't care if it's a smart contract, they don't care if it's blockchain technology, they don't care, you know, they just don't care what you do. If at the end of the day you operate a business that functions as a securities exchange, then they don't care what technology it's based on. And you know, and at the end of the day it's an exchange and they're gonna find you and they're gonna prosecute you. So that's you know, it, I think it's the first uh, it's the first time that we're seeing the SEC do that. Uh, it's definitely not the last. So I think I've talked about it before uh, an episode back or two about uh, the IDEX, which was also a decentralized exchange that all of a sudden implemented, you know, a KYC and AML uh, laws with its customers in New York and it stopped operating in New York. Sorry. So how decentralized is an exchange if it can't operate in New York? But basically, you can see that there are no, no, there, there aren't really decentralized exchanges, and the, and if you are trading on, you know, an unregistered exchange that appeals to U.S. you know investors, you're probably gonna get caught at some point, and and you know, and it just won't elbow over you. Well, I don't know how much money this guy made because three hundred thousand dollars might be nothing if he's made millions over the year, but still, you, you don't want to be on the bad side of the law. And the law is a slow process, but it catches up to you eventually. And that's what you definitely need to know from, you know, this is what, this is the lesson to learn from this uh, SEC actually getting to terms with someone who operated an exchange. All right, I think that's all I have to say about this one. Uh, so we're going to move on to Stellar and Blockchain Wallet, $125 million airdrop. Okay, so our next topic is 125 million worth of Stellar, which is a big amount. And I'll probably put that in the headline because it's eye-catching and I love that. So let's talk about it a little bit. So Stellar is partnering with Blockchain.com's wallet to airdrop a total of $125 million worth of Stellar tokens. So that's XLM uh, to Blockchain.com wallet holders. So basically that's that. You know, they, they started this promotion. I think that Stellar as an end goal to distribute a lot of its tokens for free to kind of drive adoption. Uh, I think that they're going to prioritize users 
you know, older users of blockchain.com, so existing users. Uh, so if you sign up today, you'll join a waiting list and you won't necessarily get your tokens today. I think that they're aiming to give about $25 of Stellar to every wallet. So, you know, that's not a little money. That's like, you know, it's it's a good amount of, of money to get for free, no doubt. Now, the one thing, you know, that has been heavily criticized is that if you want to get those tokens, you have to you have to verify your identity on blockchain.com. So they actually require you to upload a document and to make sure that you are who you are. And, you know, a lot of people have looked at that because, again, it's it. Do you really need in order to hold tokens or whatever to have to identify yourself and kind of link your physical address and your real name and your everything to that wallet? I think that many people were upset, you know, and thought that it's not worth creating the security risk of sending all your details to like a third party and to, you know, link your account with who you really are, your real identity, really goes against the principle of crypto and not worth, and it's not worth $25 to just, you know, just to get $25, it's not worth it. And, you know, I I, I have to agree with, with them on that one. And I think that, you know, most people that are in crypto are, f are there for more ideological reasons and, and for the freedom of it. As And, you know, if if someone is demanding you to, to identify with your real world and to prove it, real world name and address and everything and to prove it, well, it kind of goes against, you know, cash, the, the idea of, of cash, of nameless, faceless cash or in, in crypto. So that's something. Uh, airdrops in general, just a word on airdrops, it's, it's a very popular way of get your, getting your tokens in the hands of people, right? So you want to drive adoption. You want to see you want to see if people will start using what you have. So you just give them a certain amount and like, hey, let, let's try to use it. And this is how you can generate users for free. A lot of companies have user acquisition prog programs where you can refer and get token and get token and get money and everything. That's kind of a way to do it. And so this 125 million is the biggest airdrop in history. Uh, so that's that's worth noting. But it's not very. It, you know, it's not a lot when you were looking at the entire Stellar ecosystem. So basically, uh, what they're giving away, $125 million, is, is less than half a percent of the total supply right now, right? So that's probably, you know, they'll probably say that this is just the first step, that they're going to continue doing it. But basically, you know, it's still a very, very, very centralized uh, currency when it comes to, you know, the top 100 holders, right? I think the top 100 holders hold over 90% of that cryptocurrency. So it's still, you know, it's very, very centralized compared to Bitcoin where the top 100 are, I think, around 20%, right? So this, it just tells you that. And and so why are they doing it? Again, to get their currency in the hands of users. And, and let me just read you like the first description of Stellar and you'll understand why they do it. So Stellar is an open source decentralized protocol for digital, for digital currency to fiat currency transfers which allows cross-border transactions between any pair of currencies. Now, you if you've been in the cryptocurrency game, you probably heard that specific sentence a lot. So Ripple is, you know, they're claiming that this is what they are. You have XLM. You have a few cryptocurrencies that are trying to be the one cryptocurrency for cross-border frictionless, you know, payments. 
So this is, you know, they're trying to get ahead of the game and they're trying to get a wider user base by airdropping coins. Again, if you want them, go register. It's, you know, you'll get $25. You'll have to identify yourself, which is really, really, really less than ideal. And I, I personally am not claiming my coins. And I generally would not have a wallet where, you know, the wallet provider asks me to, to provide information about myself that I don't want to give, you know. So I'm, I'm, I think I'll keep on using my personal, you know, anonymous wallet. And I think that, you know, you should too, basically. So, but, but it's big news, you know, and it's still $125 million of crypto and it's still the biggest airdrop in history. So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely there. And, and I know some people will probably want to take advantage of it. So even if I don't agree with it, you know, it's still, it's still worth discussing. And, and I basically wanted to give you kind of the, you know, the, the, the negative side of it, because of course all the PR and all the public releases and, and all the articles are mostly talking about how great it is to get free money, but it's not really free money because you have to submit information about yourself. So they're basically paying you $25 for information about yourself and for you to download the blockchain.com wallet. All right, so that's it. So uh, let's move on to uh, to our second uh, legal issue. So we've had the SEC earlier, and we're going to talk about the Winklevoss brothers against uh, Charlie Schramm. So that's up next. All right, so moving on, the Winklevoss versus Charlie Schramm saga. So I'll start with, you know, a little primer for those of you who've never heard of either of those people. So basically, the, the Winklevoss are, you know, a couple of brothers uh, that are famous for having bought a million dollars worth of Bitcoin in, I think, 2012. So way before Bitcoin mania and way before, you know, the, the bubble of, of, last, of last year and way before a lot of things, those guys held a lot of Bitcoin. So that, that's what they became famous for. They also started the Gemini Exchange. And, and, you know, they got pretty, pretty rich off that Bitcoin deal. So good for them. But that's what they're known for. And you also have Charlie Schramm. Now, Charlie was uh, one of the first uh, people really involved in cryptocurrency and developing, you know, and services for cryptocurrency. He founded uh, the BitInstant Exchange. Uh, which operated in the very early days of Bitcoin. He was the CEO. And so the the lawsuit was filed in September. And the Winklevoss brothers are accusing Charlie Schramm of having, so, or having stolen 5,000 Bitcoins from them. So back in the day, those Bitcoins were worth about $60,000. Today, of course, we're talking those Bitcoins in the range of, I want to say, 32 to $33 million dollars. So obviously, you know, it wasn't maybe that much money then, but after Bitcoin blew up the way it did, it's a lot of money now. So it, the the file, this lawsuit was filed in September. It was it was kept on the wrap, and now you know Charlie actually had you know the the opportunity to kind of defend himself and and send a letter. So Charlie, of course, says that you know he never stole five five thousand bitcoins, uh, and you know so of course that they bought a lot of Bitcoin on his exchange. So basically, he was kind of entrusted with the money for them to buy, you know, Bitcoins for them. And they said that 5,000 Bitcoins never, never got to them. Now, he says that, you know, he never had 5,000 Bitcoins. He never had those 5,000 Bitcoins. But the, the most interesting thing is in the lawsuit. So in the lawsuit, uh, it's detailed that Charlie actually bought 
a couple of Maseratis, uh, which are very expensive cars, a couple of power boats, and about 12 million in real estate. Um, so, you know, and, and of course, it's kind of suspicious when someone didn't have a lot of money and all of a sudden came into a lot of property and a lot of cars. And, and you're asking yourself, where's that money from? So Charlie said that when he was released from prison, he, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. He worked at a restaurant and he worked a variety of jobs. I'm, I'm quoting right now. He worked a, ver a variety of jobs that have allowed him me to accumulate funds and to restore myself financially. Now, I understand why, you know, why the Vinkovas brothers are skeptical because working at a restaurant and, you know, restoring yourself financially, it's a big jump from buying a $2 million house and having about $12 million, uh, in real estate. So, so I completely understand, you know, what happened with it. Uh, Charlie, he was in prison uh, because of what he did. He facilitating uh, drug buying with Bitcoin on the Silk Road. So that's definitely, but, you know, it paid his dues. And, and, you know, he said himself that he got into contact with some bad people that he should never have gotten into contact with. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to hold it against him for the rest of his life. Probably made a mistake and moved on. So that's my point of view on it. But but definitely, you know, I they they reversed a freezing order on his funds. Charlie managed to do that. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, you, you, you have to wonder about where did that money come from and where from being worth less than a hundred thousand dollars by his own admission uh when he got out of jail uh he got to millions and millions and millions now could he have done it trading or something yes definitely but i can understand why you know they're asking questions uh so this is probably going to be an ongoing story um it is definitely going to be in the news again and again so we'll give little updates when the little updates come out. But, you know, it's it, this is more of a personal crypto star, story. But still, I mean, a lot of people in the community are involved. And it's definitely, you know, something that, you know, is, is interesting. When we're talking about really Bitcoin pioneers and, and, the, and the politics of it and the everything. I mean, for me, it's, it's very, very interesting. So I figured it would be for you, too. If that story was not interesting and you don't want to hear more about it, just let me know. And if you actually liked it and you do want to hear more about it, then you're welcome to let me know as well. You know, we're at Twitter, at Clem Thibault. So that's at C-L-E-M-T-H-B-A-U-L-T. And uh, I'll mention it at the end again, so don't worry about that. So let's move on to our last topic, now that we've talked about a couple of lawsuits and uh, and, and an airdrop. Uh, we're going to talk about another coin listed by Coinbase. So that's our fourth and last topic of the day. Let's go. All right, to our fourth and last topic of the day. I swear this doing this podcast is, is great and it flies by and you don't even see the week and it's Sunday again. And you have to come up with entirely new material. But I guess that's the nature of the beast. Uh, again, I enjoy doing this for you guys, for those who listen. And, uh, you know, just feel free to share your feedback with me to know how I can improve and what you want me to talk about and all that kind of stuff. That would be great. So just let me know, you know, whatever you want to see, whatever you want to hear. Let me know and, and I'll do my best to provide, you know, whatever you guys want. So our fourth and last topic, it's uh, it's Coinbase listing yet another token after uh, listing another one last week. Uh, we're going to talk about one this week as well. So this one is BAT and it stands for Basic Attention Token. It's a currency implemented in uh, a browser named Brave. 
which allows users to tip creators and it operates a decentralized ad exchange. Now, I want to just get just a little bit into what it really is. So basically, Brave is trying this new way of showing ads to people and it kind of hijacks ads on websites and replaces it with its own ads. So the first thing to mention is that it's definitely a controversial project because a lot of thing, a lot of people thought that it might be a little unethical to do that. Uh, but basically, it allows for the users to also get paid for you know looking at those ads with this uh, specific token. Uh, they used to use Bitcoin, but now they move to their own token. So basically, the way it works is that advertisers can buy advertising space uh, with the tokens and publishers. Uh, they get user contributions and advertising revenue uh, with these tokens. And the users, you're also paid to view the ad. So basically, it's it's an ad exchange, plus it allows you to tip uh, whatever content creator you like in with that token. So uh, one of the most interesting things about this particular project, it's that it started by uh, Brendan Ike, which I'm probably butchering his name, but... Uh, if you if you're not into computer, that's the dude that invented uh, JavaScript, which is how we do all front end development on all websites today. So I'd say pretty smart dude, without a doubt. Uh, he also co-founded uh, Mozilla and Firework and Firefox. Sorry. So Firefox, big one of the biggest browsers today. JavaScript, you know, this dude has done a few things in his life, and you know, it's interesting that he turns his attention now to a token project with a lot of people, you know, I've, I've read a lot of criticism on this project saying that they could have used Bitcoin uh, the way they did and that it's kind of, you know, it, their token is not really necessary in order for the ecosystem to function. And it's just another utility token that has, you know, that has little utility over what Bitcoin, you know, would have been able to do anyway. So after you know, Coinbase used to have exactly five coins on the website, and it was just the bigger ones. And and in the past couple of weeks, they added, um, they added another and then another one, and this is another one of those additions. And basically, I think that what you're seeing from Coinbase today is is just a way to get the revenues up again by creating you know trading volume on on its exchange. So basically, you know, with the prices cri uh, crashing and everything. Uh, I think that Coinbase is definitely seeing a hit in its revenue and in the projected profitability. And they probably, you know, they, they probably would like to avoid, you know, having all this money go away. So they're trying to list uh, more and more tokens uh, in order to generate more volume because, of course, exchanges make money on volume. And, and you know, so I think that this is just the start. And I think that we're going to see Coinbase going more and more in that direction, which as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a shame, but, you know, I'm not a big fan of Coinbase. I mean, I talked last week about how, you know, they they were worth $8 billion, right? I think that the valuation with everything that they've been doing and with the revenue that they, you know, that they've been having, they're definitely worth that, but I'm still not a fan. I think that, you know, I feel like they're trying to become like the crypto bank and they're just trying to replace the old financial system controlled by other people with just a new financial system controlled by them, which isn't really the point. So that token, as you would expect, uh, peaked after being you know announced 
on Coinbase, uh, $0.38, cents, that what it was. And, you know, in the past literally three days, it crashed to $0.25. Cents. So that means that it lost about 33% of its value after being listed. So, you know, you could call it a classic pump, a uh, classic Coinbase pump. And everything that gets listed on Coinbase will probably jump up and then fall because, you know, just listing on Coinbase is kind of generating excitement and volume for a couple of days. And then people just don't care anymore. So I think that this is definitely what we've seen today. And uh, and I think that we'll continue to see that going forward. So every time Coinbase lists a new token, you know, at some point I'm going to stop talking about it because it's just going to be another one of those and it's going to be annoying. But, you know, it's still like the seventh coin I think that they have right now, which isn't a lot compared to what you can trade on other exchanges. And they're still the biggest exchange like in the U.S. So they're still worth talking about it. And with the end of that segment, let's head out to the outro. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, doing this podcast and trying to deep, dig a little deeper uh, into cryptocurrency world for people who are not necessarily living this kind of market. So that's great for me to do. Uh, I have to say I was very, very happy to get some positive feedback from listeners last week. And I'm definitely looking forward to what you guys have to say, hearing what you guys have to say about the podcast and what you guys want to hear more of. So please, you know, drop me a message, uh, reach out to me on Twitter, reach out to me on LinkedIn, reach out to me wherever you want to reach out to me and just let me know what you think and what you want to see more of. Uh, I hope that this podcast is going to continue growing. We're growing every week. Uh, the, there's more listeners every week, which is great. And I'm just looking forward to see, you know, where we can take this podcast, maybe have some interviews with some prominent people in the industry going, you know, in, in next episodes or something like that. So we have a lot planned and there's a lot on the table. So definitely, if you want to influence the direction that this crypto podcast, Cryptalk, you know, goes in the future, that's the moment to do it. And, and you know the way you do it. Reach out to me on Twitter at Clem Thibault. So that's C-L-E-M-T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T. And you'll see my cartoony face right there. And uh, please reach out to us. So that being said, have a great week, everyone. And uh, we'll definitely see each other again on Sunday. All right. Have a good one.